The His Girl Friday podcast is brought to you in part by Messenger Fellowship, living the kingdom, fulfilling the call, proclaiming the truth. Merry Christmas, everyone, from His Girl Friday to your home living room. We hope that you are enjoying the festivities, the holidays that are imminent. What a joyous time of year and just a great day, year, season to be alive. Hope you all are enriched uh, with the true reason for the season. I wanted to spend a few minutes tonight uh, cutting what will most likely be the last podcast of 2018. And I want to reflect a little bit on the year, talk a little bit about uh, some convictions that have been stirring within me lately. I'm going to talk about Christmas and just we, we might get into some traditions and customs and and why they're significant. But really, you know, this pod may sound a bit more rambly in nature in part because a lot of where I've been in the word lately doesn't necessarily tie into Christmas and yet some of the principles and some of the you know the things that I've been learning you know they can extend and, and relate to the birth narrative it's it's a one one thing I find each year I'm I'm go back and uh I'll go back in Luke and Matthew and read the dis, the different gospel accounts of the birth narrative um you know, in the days leading up to Christmas, because I want my heart to be ready to receive from the Lord on Christmas Day. Um, but for the most of December, I've been in some, uh, let's just say some some books that we may not associate to uh, the incarnation, one being Ezekiel, and I'm going to get there in a second. So I'm going to bounce around tonight, um, kind of in the spirit of this, this probably will be the last pod I cut. Uh, but I hope that a lot of this makes sense and that it's not too distracting. I think the, the most important thing I can be with you is real and invite you into just the wheels that spin in my mind. I think the best place to start is with a point of conviction that I had uh, on the drive to work. This would have been December 16th. And I know I've mentioned it before, I can't remember when, but uh, so far this year, I've done 63 ramblings. You know, I don't know how many commutes I make to work, you know, not only like both ways. That is, you know, I probably would, I would guess to make, you know, a couple hundred commutes, uh, five times two times 50. What is that? 500? You could probably deduct a little bit um, just because I'm not going to work. You know, I don't have perfect attendance at work each uh, each year this year included, but we'll say between 450 to 500 one-way commutes to work and back. And um, I've done 63 what I call rambling episodes, and that's just my quiet times. I'm recording my quiet times with the Lord, and they're not going to (laughs) go on a a website or a blog. I'm not going to showcase them. You know, they're basically just uh, prayers um, and just wanting to invite the Holy Spirit in and you know, there are times of calibration and searching, seeking, you know, holy <laughs> sensitivity, um, kind of come as I am and, you know, God, I just, I don't know what's going on, but all I know is I want more of you in this moment. And uh, this particular, on this particular drive, I was 
thinking ahead to next year, 2019, and just what I want it to be. Uh, this is the month of the year where I think a lot of us do some reflecting and we start to do some pre-analysis of our New Year resolutions or risk solutions, as I call them. So I'm in this posture of screening when I sense the Holy Spirit ever so delicately prick my heart, encouraging me, Cam, I'm not saying you're doing this, but I want to encourage you next year that you don't settle into being this God-fearing believer who knows his faith statements, the models and slogans of what he believes, but doesn't radically apply them. Now, I can spend a few minutes and talk about <laughs> my shortcomings of this year and in recent years. Uh, I can go into all that detail, but this it was more of a, while it was a warning, it was more of a charge, really. It's kind of how it felt. I was so moved. I was moved to tears on this drive to work. And it's like, yeah, you know, it's, I know the slogan and models of my faith. I know how to, d- to tell people about Jesus and, and who I'm serving for, why I'm serving him, why I'm a Christian. I know that. I, I've learned that for years. Um, but what is keeping me from really going into this deep place with God where I'm not only crying out to deep, deep cries out to deep, but connecting to that deep. It's like, I think a lot of us, myself included, we could get comfortable being flag wavers, uh, you know, where we have these banners in our hands. Uh, I, sorry, I should say flag bearers, where we have these banners in our hands and we're waving them around wherever we go, whether it's work or just in our places of social life and influence. And, you know, on these banners, you know, their words, even scriptures of this is what I'm yielded to. This is who I'm serving. This is what I stand for. And yet, uh, we're not willing to cross over into being an ambassador for Christ, being uh, a minister of reconciliation in the marketplace, being a warrior. You know, just that Ephesians 6, you know, where we're on the battlefield, um, really not just standing for what we believe in, but we're fighting for it. I'm not saying it's wrong to worship God with that mental image of, you know, I'm, I'm raising a banner. There's something right about that. There's something uh, just, you know, po- what, not just poetic, but just, uh, you know, the, it's like Psalms imagined. And we're serving the Lord out of this referenced heart that understands that God is worthy and it, it makes all the sense in the world to exalt him. And yet there's also another side where um, we're not just called to wave banners all day where we're kind of just sitting back content and kind of cool and like, yeah, you know, I, that's, I, I'm called doing that. It's almost like, um, you think about the, the priest in heaven just are crying out, holy, 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 and the Lord God almighty who was and is and is to come. And they're on this infinite loop. <laughs> I, I think sometimes we are content just getting in these rhythms of worship, but we're not really growing in our worship per se. Um, we just know like, all right, I know how to feel close to God. And uh, we're just not taking those next steps into abiding in our identity. 
it's okay again to have the you know a, the slogans and models. They have a place. Um, I guess one word picture that comes to mind is just uh, like a product, uh, whether it's a canned good or um, just something that is more boxed in nature. Tis the season to receive boxes, right? I'm an Amazon Prime member. I know some of you are like, hallelujah, you know, these last days where package can, you know, arrive. And we, we know the packaging on our lives that describe who we are. But it's like, as far as our original design and function, what is the product intended to do? We're not so inclined. It's like to, to operate in that. So faith is not something... You know, obedience is not something to do. Um, it's not something to be confined to conceptually, if that makes sense. I really think that a lot of us have room to take greater leaps of faith in this next year, myself included. And I just want to be real and vulnerable with you. You know, I, you know, I've been thinking a lot about. Ezekiel 44 and the sons of Zadok and in that passage you have uh, Israel who's kind of getting a slap on the wrist from God and is prophesied to the son of man, Ezekiel. Um, They weren't taking the inner court seriously and they lost that right. Just kind of summing up Ezekiel 44. They had become passive and different uh, where faith was something that was more ritual than true, authentic, real, whatever you want to say it, you know, faith had become something that was really not faith, um, just kind of a a system. And that kind of describes the heart I'm talking about for those who are just cool, like, yeah, I I know the slogan of my life, the models of my life and of my faith, but that's as far as I'm going. You know, I just want to be able to tell people I'm a Christian, that I'm safe, that I'm a believer, and Jesus is my life, yada, yada, yada. And yet, we're, for whatever reason, we're not being that minister of reconciliation, that ambassador on the front lines. It, you know, doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, look like a missionary. But where we're truly abiding in our uh, community and spiritual gifts, uh, while we are doing something that, you know, we're pur- we've been purposed to do, that we're called to do, and advancing the kingdom. Because that's really what, you know, we're all made to be disciple makers and our skill sets and our giftings, you know, those are these are tools that help bridge the gap with those who are lost and broken. Now, I know most of you understand all this, but so I guess if you want to put an Ezekiel 44 spin to this moment of conviction I'm receiving in the car, it's like, don't be like those Israelites who, you know, the hearts grew cold. Be like the sons of Zadok who were passionate um, even in their service in the outer courts where, you know, things get pretty messy, you know, just do an Old Testament systematic review on the difference between life in the outer courts and the inner and the inner courts. It's like that sensitivity. They were almost numb to that and just that bow down like uh, I give you my all. And hear me, like some of us, like we, again, I'm not trying to diss those who know what, the, you know, who they stand for, what they are called to do and Against uh, mottos and slogans and packaging and labels, they all have a place. But when they substitute uh, for the real thing and they all of a sudden they're, they're uh, assigned to do something that they're not called to do, then they're out of place and they're not yielded, they're not surrendered. That's what I'm getting at. 
And I don't want, I don't know about you, but I don't want to just be content in the outer courts, just chilling out, having a good time, knowing like, yeah, you know, I guess I could really go in the inner courts and go deeper with my God. Uh, but I'm cool out here. I think, uh, you know, an ideal life that's consecrated and submitted to God, you know, w- whether we're called into to a moment of outer courts or called to a moment of inner courts, our hearts aren't any different. Like we are worshiping God passionately, 100% devotion. And even when we're, we don't know and we're struggling with something or there's just this obstacle that's, you know, that's like this distraction or interference, we're still seeking or pressing in, you know? Um, that's the thing. I mean, I think some of us, we could raise our banners and not really press in. Raising a banner doesn't necessarily mean we're pressing in. I guess it's one way of taking all that I've been talking about and condensing it. But So what does this have to do with Christmas? Well, it has quite a bit, actually. And uh, I want to get into Luke 1 here. I got locked out of my phone here. Sorry, I'm having to cut this from... Uh, my car using my iPhone and it's not ideal, but running out my office to uh, a family member for the holidays, it's it's meant some sacrifices. And so, okay, so one another uh, book of the Bible I've been in is Zechariah. And Zechariah, as you know, um, was a very prophetic man. And Father Zechariah, you know, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied in Luke one, uh, "Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for He has visited and redeemed His people." And has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High. For you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people and the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. This is, sorry, I should have given more context. This is the birth of John the Baptist. And this is uh, calling out of Luke 1. So I want to talk about this because I think sometimes we for, we overlook uh, Luke 1. We jump straight to Luke 2. Um, when we're recapping or rereading the birth story. But at least with Luke, you know, it starts here. And we kind of underestimate um, what he's prophesying. While over John the Baptist, there is crossover into the significance of the incarnation of Jesus. And Zechariah really unlocks some things, both in, you know, in his own book and also in the Gospels, in, when his prophecies are referenced. And I guess what stuck out to me, verse 74 in Luke 1, you know, that uh, we being delivered from the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. Uh, that part is also just mercy being described as tender in verse 78, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the ways of peace. See, one way of looking at all of this is through the lens of the ambassador, uh, not saying that we all have to be diplomats 
uh, by profession or by vocation, um, but that there is that uh, mentality that we carry um, where we are God's representatives and there's light inside of us that's meant to pierce the darkness as 39 talks about to guide our feet into the ways of peace. Uh, how many of us this holiday season feel like we are in places of peace, let alone being in a position where we can guide others uh, into places of uh, peace, into light, out of the shadows. Are we living lives that just emit mercy, <laughs> that really capture the splendor of the repentance lifestyle, the forgiveness of sins, you know, living with the cross in mind? Uh, one of the visuals that has been striking me fresh and anew, um, and I'll tie this back in, I promise, but just uh, helping my son learn the basics of Advent. He's only three years old, about to turn three anyway. Um, you know, we're teaching him some some elements of the story that he didn't know before, like the Star of David and what that meant, and all these different portrayals and illustrations of the Star of David. Um, I know that there's some creative licensure embedded in them, um, I'm not sure anyone knows what the Star of David actually looked like. Um, we could take our best guess at it. But anytime I look at a, a representation of the Star of David, I see the cross in it. And even if we don't see it literally, I think it's important to see uh, the cross as part of the story, as part of the light that's being reflected. Jesus, as an eternal member of the Trinity, he, uh, <laughs> he knew what he was getting himself into. Just because he was uh, born a baby doesn't mean that his divinity was anything less. Um, and sometimes we think that his divinity was of infancy stage um, when his humanity was an infancy stage. But the cross was always in mind for him. And that's something that uh, I've written about several times, but I don't think I've really talked about. Just Jesus always had the cross in mind. You can't separate the cross from the manger. They are intertwined. I look at that Star of David now and I see a cross that's being, uh, you know, there's kind of like this horizontal, this vertical beam in a star in a lot of them, at least that I look at. And I could just see like the amazing love of the Father and of the Son just on assignment together. They were already on mission before all this was going on, before Zechariah was speaking this prophecy here. And the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God. His mercy was already tender to begin with. It's not like it became tender when the cross happened. Um, we celebrate the fact that Jesus became man and took on flesh. That's, in short, what the birth story, the birth narrative encapsulates. But it, it's not just a moment in time. We celebrate Christmas. It's not just... Uh, you know, it, we're not celebrating just something that happened 2,000 years ago. Just kind of like this legacy story uh, that we're trying to preserve and just pass down for generations. It's more than just a, fair, a fairy tale. It's more than just folklore. I mean, it's not folklore. I mean, it's this is stuff that actually legitimately happened. And, uh, you know, even science could point to this. So what am I trying to say? Jesus taking on the form of an innocent babe, yet knowing what he was coming to do. He was coming so that we could worship him in spirit and truth, so that we would not be fearful of the inner court life with him, that we can know holiness in place of indifference, we can know righteousness 
an authentic righteousness that's real and not ritual before them all our days that we could find freedom not just uh, in the enemies of this world but the principalities of, of darkness that we can be delivered from them freedom and fullness these are all things that were part of his uh, the plan of salvation and we get to reconcile people to this you know we get to still be a part of the narrative story to this day it's not something that just happened uh, a bunch of years ago and it's just preserved in history but rather we can unlock the keys to that and live it out and so this all kind of ties back to this moment of uh, where I'm in the car last week and it, this is just a new angle on it just Cam don't be content on waving your banners and your flags that have your verses on it that tell people yeah you're a Christian that's all your faith is you know it kind of stops there but really go deeper and Learn what it's like to lead people, to guide them and point them into the way of peace, to give light to those who sit in the darkness and the shadow of death. We may not all be uh, John the Baptists, uh, but we can be like him in the sense that we are growing and we're strong in spirit. And even if we're in places of exp- uh, obscurity, maybe we don't feel like we have a platform or a place yet. Um, I think one of the things that God wants to do with the body at large is just be like, you know, you don't have to have this you know, X, Y, and Z to preach the gospel, to show the mercy and promise to um, mankind, you know, to speak reconciliation and to have a voice of deliverance, to um, show that the Lord is good and that he has come, he's coming again, and he's, he's redeemed and continues to redeem his people. He's raising up a horn still. It's not like the horn was raised and it's all past tense. I mean, there is more horns to be raised. And yes, there are more banners to be raised too. There is a time for that. But find the worship in all things. Christ came so that, yeah, that faith could lose its ritual outlet. Uh, how do I say it? Uh, just its, um, its legalism, I suppose. I mean, you look at the, the, the dark period uh, leading up to Christ's birth and there was a lot of obscurity there was a lot of unknowns and just a lot of plateauing with people and it's a theme that we see scattered throughout the bible and the sons of zadok they were piercing something they were piercing the legalism of their time the indifference of their time and are we going to do that are we going to let the reason for the season the reason why we celebrate christmas tie into how we go into next year and you know, getting to that place of uh, humility and vulnerability, not being afraid to be real and raw with God, just saying, you know what, I I sense that there's this intimidation. Uh, I'm giving an example from my own life here. I sense this intimidation in this way. I also sense some guilt that has not been addressed with, that has now become shame, and it's keeping me from really going to the next level and my yielded surrender to you. Where it's like I almost am okay with repenting and just stopping there. And that's how I, you know, I remember the cross. I get right. Oh, I sinned. I messed up. Get back on my knees and I go through the prayer. But I'm not really going deeper. It's like I'm just staying afloat without feeling overwhelmed. Like, oh, I'm a bad Christian. I think sometimes we want to feel true. We want to feel authentic. And once, if we feel that, there's a false comfort that's it's like, you know what? You are, you're caught up in what you have to ask the Lord forgiveness for. You're good. 
I'm just being honest. Like there are times where I, I feel that way. And grace becomes a self-centered thing. And I'm not thinking about how God wants to use my freedom and extending it, the hope of glory to those around me. So yeah, there you go. I'm tying in Luke, I'm tying in Ezekiel and Zechariah. (laughs) I'm sure it's been done before, but uh, thanks for sticking with me. If if you listen this far, man, kudos. I know this is... um, you know, kind of all over the place. I was bouncing like Atari or something, but I just want to end this praying for you and just ending it the right way. Truly rooting for you, whoever's listening to this. You may have had a hard year. You This may have been a one step back, two steps forward, or two steps back, one step forward type of year. There's a lot of uncertainty, perhaps, a lot of apprehension. But whatever you're feeling isn't new to God. It's not unknown to Him. And if we could just use the manger, see the cross in it, and use it as a platform, as a springboard, not with any selfish intent or agenda, but as simply a way of, Lord, I'm, I'm remembering you in this way. I'm using this to centralize my gratitude. And I'm also using this to reflect into a new year. Yes, thanking you for what has happened, but just declaring by faith the things you're going to do. Being open about the good, bad, and ugly in my life. But just being like, you know, inviting God to expose and to shine the light he would have on our past and our midst. God wants to set us free. He has achieved victory in our life. But some of us were not living as if that victory has happened. And the cool thing about the birth story is that in a in a time where innocence seems lost, God captured it in full and he lived in that for 33 years. Until the time came for him to to die. He showed us the roadmap to death. It's it's weird to see that, you know, in a birth narrative, but even through, you know, the early chapters of Matthew and Luke and so forth, what was happening in Bethlehem and Nazareth, Christ was setting us he was setting a template in motion where we would know how to die to ourselves. And so maybe that's the last assignment we have in this year together, you know, where we're just like, Lord, how do I die to myself in this moment? How do I set, set myself up to die better in 2019? I want my yeses to be yeses where they need to be yeses, and I want my noes to be noes where they need to be noes. So let's prepare our hearts to go in that direction and just, again, know that Liz and I are rooting for you. We're here for you if you need us. Got to bring this to a close uh, due to time restraints, but... What an exciting year. And, you know, I, I knew I was going to talk about some other things I didn't get to. Uh, so maybe next year I'll talk about some lessons learned, some things that I'm excited for, some things I'm sorry for. Um, letting that be a tradition that starts each new year podcast. But this complete, this completes season one. Thank you for your readership, your authorship, your listenership. And just know that we're in this together. 
Receive God's love fresh and anew. Receive it. Pour it out. Receive and pour out again. You got this. Lord, you are awesome. We just thank you for this year. We thank you for this time. We pray you'll go before us. We receive you as the reason for the season. We thank you for the ability, for the opportunity we have to receive you fresh and anew in the spirit of Christmas. I ask that you will go before us, anoint us, and uh, cover our steps in these final days of 2018. We we thank you. We we consecrate our hearts. We we remember. We we want um, these last days and weeks to be days and weeks where we're setting up altars uh, in our lives where we remember what you did and what you brought us out of the progress that was achieved. And even if we felt like we were going backwards, you know, you were still with us. You never forsaked us. And there's still altars to be made in that. Um, thank you that you radically move in us and that we never have to be afraid and that we could find joy in death. Spiritually dying to ourselves, that is. That we could find excitement in knowing that the cross and the manger are inseparable. And they aren't just the, the, the relevancy and the prevalency, the, the incarnation and how it applies to our mystery of reconciliation and going forth and being ambassadors of Christ. You know what I was saying earlier, Lord, I pray that if for any of us who feel like we have the right slogans and we understand our faith conceptually but not applicably, that you will bridge these gaps, that you will bridge... Uh, sacred and secular, uh, the places that are unsurrendered, the places that are surrendered. The deep crying out to deep, that will become deep, that connects to deep. These are all things that are uh, fresh in my heart and mind, and I just want to pray it out as a declaration, not just over myself and my family, but to those who are listening, to those who are in the marketplace, uh, who are vocational leaders, who are even stay-at-home parents, uh, the, you know, ministers who are trying to juggle life in church and life outside of it. Uh, maybe they have a job and they're trying to make ends meet. You are enough. And that's another way of thinking of Christmas. We thank you that you are enough. We give all the glory and praise. Amen.